So I'm, I'm really pumped to start this series of talks over the next few weeks that if I'm going to be real honest with you and real straight up today, I've been battling over for several months about talking about and delivering and, 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 and bringing uh, to the forefront because each and every single time, y'all, I, I, I talk about mind or thoughts or something like that. Somebody accuses me of just being a self-help preacher. Just, you're not really preaching the word. You just want to help people. And I'm like, yeah, I do want to help people. Um, but I, I, I believe there's, we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. And you guys are like, well, yeah, it's called COVID. <laughs> no, I believe we're in the middle of a, a, a mental health pandemic, an anxiety, a depression pandemic that we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg for and talking to teachers and, and administrators and, and physicians and psychologists and counselors. I just believe we're on the, on the front of this thing. And I, I, here's what I know. When the, when the church is quiet about something, the enemy fills the gap. Come on, when the church is quiet, the enemy fills the gap. And I want to be a church that is loud about things that matter to people. I, want, I don't want to be loud about things that don't matter to God. I want to be about, loud about things that matter. I want to be loud about what God is doing. And, and I want to get on the forefront of this thing. So over the next several weeks, we're going to have conversations. I encourage you, don't miss a single week of this series of conversations because I think it's really going to give us some steps forward and some progress to really move and take forward. Because to be quite honest with you, I'm about sick and tired uh, of seeing colleagues of mine um, that just, man, they are giving it all away because they can't keep up. Their mind is so messed up. I'm tired of, I'm tired of seeing that. I'm tired of seeing colleagues that have unfortunately taken their own lives because of the stress of this kind of thing. I'm tired of seeing friends and family, even strangers, go through this stuff. And I think we need to talk about mental health a little bit. We need to talk about what the Bible says about it. Because in Matthew chapter 22... Jesus says this statement that's actually found back in the Old Testament as well, but he makes this statement. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he doesn't say, love the Lord your God with everything you got. He doesn't say, try as hard as you can to love the Lord, right? He goes, heart, soul, mind. He breaks them up into three separate things. And as you think about that, in the, because sometimes we can try to get way too deep, sometimes we just need to go, oh, Heart, soul, and mind are three different things, right? And, and he goes, love the Lord your God with heart, soul, and mind. And as you think about it, I see people, I've been doing this 19 years. Can y'all believe? I know, I know, I don't look a day over 20. It's all good. Um, I've been doing this 19 years, ministry, 19 years. And um, the reality is I've seen people that are really good and making sure their heart loves God, right? Their passion. What makes your heart pump peanut butter? What makes you wake up in the morning and just go, ha, 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 let's go! You know what I'm saying? Like they're good at, at the passion and the drive and the desire, you know? And then there's people that are good at making sure that their spirit loves the Lord. Like deep down inside their prayer life and their worship life and they read the word and all this stuff. And then there's some people that are really good at keeping their mind under control, right? As Paul says, the apostle Paul says, take your thoughts captive and submit them to Jesus. Like they're good at that. But I've rarely, if I'm going to be honest, found very many people that are good at keeping all three in line at the same time. The Bible teaches us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and, not or, but and, 
mind. There's something powerful that takes place whenever we intentionally get all three lined together into the heart of God and we begin to chase God in all three areas and all three things are working together. Our heart, our passions, our treasures, our desires are working with our spirit and our soul that's working with our thoughts and our mind and all these things. And and we're in this place coming out of 2020 to where depression and anxiety and stress and being overwhelmed. I say those words and some of you are like, right here, right here, you know, because you deal with it. And I want to talk about those things over the next few weeks because I think that the Bible, actually, I don't think, I know that the Bible and God has a lot to say about those things, about how to line those things up. And so I hope you'll make a commitment to be here in these things. And, you know, I, I, I struggle with it because I didn't feel qualified to really talk about it a whole lot. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a counselor. In fact, I'm a terrible counselor. I'm the kind of counselor that if you come to me and you're like, hey, here's what I'm dealing with, and it's not good, and I'll be like, you just need to stop doing that. And it's kind of like, that's the counseling I am, or hey, that's really dumb. Why would you do that kind of thing? I'm just not a good counselor. And the Lord just reminded me, I didn't ask you to be qualified. I just asked you to do what I qualify you to do. And so I, I, I made a statement to somebody a few weeks ago. It's kind of a, a, honestly an immature statement. And I didn't realize, realize the immaturity. And I'm going to be really transparent over the next several weeks. And I've never shared with anybody what I'm going to share today. And so I'm going to put it out there on the internet. I'm going to put it out to you. I've already put it out to a few hundred people today. I made an immature statement a few weeks ago that I looked at somebody and said, you know, I just don't understand anxiety. I don't, I don't understand depression. I don't, I don't deal with that stuff a whole lot. And, I was, and, and the truth is I really don't understand a lot of it, because I, I, I haven't trained myself to understand it, right? So it's, it wasn't a wrong statement, but I made the statement. It wasn't anything bad. I wasn't even talking bad about anybody. I was just making a statement. And I remember laying down that night. I know who I said it to, where I said it to him at, you know, uh, what we were talking about. And I remember laying in bed that night, and the Lord took me back to June of last year. This is a story I've never shared. To June of last year, and... Um, I don't remember the date. I remember that my wife and my kids were at the beach enjoying stuff, and I stayed back to work. Not a problem. It is what it is. I work. You know, that's fine. In fact, if I'm going to be honest, I got to play Xbox, eat Hot Pockets, and watch what I wanted to on TV, so who cares, right? No, I'm just kidding. Not really. Um, so I remember it got kind of late, probably 11 o'clock or so, and I turned the Xbox off. I put the Hot Pockets up, the organic, all-natural Hot Pockets. <laughs> and I was probably watching ridiculousness or something ridiculous on TV, you know, trying to flush my brain so that I could go to sleep. And I turned the TV off, and it was just me. And my thought, you ever been there where it's just you and your thoughts, and everything comes rushing in? And uh, I've always been a really extroverted kind of guy, but that last June I laid there, and it was dark, and it was quiet, and it was just me and my thoughts. And I began having thoughts that I've actually never had before in my life. I began having thoughts about, did I really make that big of an impact in this world? Do I really matter? If I were to pack it all up and disappear right now, would anybody actually miss me besides the people that are supposed to? Start having these thoughts and you're not really doing anything in life. You're just this or you're just that and all these thoughts, right? And So I did what any sane person would do. That's very loose. I'm just being crazy. I did what any person would do in that moment. I took a lot of melatonin and went to sleep. (laughs) 
I doubled up on my melatonin. I went to sleep so I could forget it. And the next day, I'm really good at just doing things so that I forget about stuff the next day. And y'all know what I'm talking about because half of you do it every day. As long as I keep busy, I don't have to mess with it. And so I forgot about it. And then that night, I went through my cycle. John, I, I, I played Xbox. I ate my all-natural organic Hot Pockets for dinner. I watched probably TBN, praise God, that night. No, I don't know what I was watching. I turned the TV off and I laid there and those thoughts came back. Except this time they came back a little bit heavier, a little heavier with a few more thoughts behind them. And I remember I called my wife after I'd already called and told her goodnight and I said, I think I need to start seeing somebody. And she was like, why? And I told her what was going on and she was like, well, that's not you. And I said, yeah, exactly. That's the issue. It's not me. And so ever since last June until today, I, um, I consistently, every month, I see a counselor. I talk to a, a biblical a Christian counselor who also used to be a pastor uh, every month via Zoom. He's a great help to me and a great uh, asset to me. And I say that, and here's why I say that, because some of you need to be freed of the stigma that if you have to talk through your problems, you're not godly enough, and God doesn't love you, and your problems are too big. And I just need, to need you to know that just like God uses medicine to heal a sickness, God can use counselors and medicine to heal something that's going on in here to help you get better. And it's okay. It's okay. And so I had this conversation, and I began telling this guy um, at the time, I, I, I've, I've switched counselors now, and it's not for anybody's reason. I just did because I, I felt like I needed to. And, 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 and the guy that I was talking to at the time, former pastor, we began to talk about what was going on in my life. And I said, man, this isn't me. Like, I, I don't understand these thoughts. And, and I'm just kind of, he, he started talking to me about energy levels and stuff. And here's what I learned is I learned what my life looked like. And what, what I'm afraid of is a lot of your lives look the exact same. Is at that time, I was in this for 18 years. And I had planted this church eight and a half, eight years ago. And, 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 and dude, we just began to talk. And he was like, tell me about your, your rhythms and tell me about, like, not balance, but, like, what you do. When do you rest? I was like, oh, man, I rest, and I rest hard. I play golf, you know, about once a month. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's good rest, you know. And then he's like, when's the last time you took a vacation? I was like, oh, I took my kids to the beach. He said, did you leave your, your, your computer at home? I was like, no. No, I took it. I had stuff to do. He's like, oh, yeah, that's a good vacation there, Dad. I was like, oh, shut up. You know? He said, when's the last time you took multiple weeks off, right? Because I've been doing this 18 years, eight and a half years as a church planner and trying to make this thing work and happen and go, right? And um, I said, well, I had a surgery about six months ago, eight months ago. I had to take three or four weeks off there. I was like, I, I couldn't move out the recliner. I was hurting too bad. He was like, oh, yeah, recovering while your body is in complete pain all the time is real good rest. I was like, I hate you. That's what counselors make you say. And we got to talking and... I began to learn that my life looked a lot like this, that I was just constantly on this treadmill or this elliptical of life. I was constantly pedaling. I was constantly running. And in my mind, I had convinced myself that if I stopped, I didn't deserve any of the rewards God had for me. I didn't deserve more people. I didn't deserve more influence. I didn't deserve to write a book. I didn't deserve to preach. I didn't deserve to build a building. I didn't deserve any of that stuff simply because I stopped. Because if you stop, by God, that ain't godly. You can't stop. And what happens, because some of you are watching me and you're hearing me talk and you're going, that's my life right now. 
Because what happens is, is if we're on the elliptical at the gym and we get tired, our quads start burning, don't they? In our lungs, we can't, we can't breathe too good. It's like a fire from hell in your lung. You know what I'm saying? And like, it hurts. You got sweat dripping, and it's just tough, and it's difficult. But what we do when we get to that point at the gym is we, we get off, right? And we wipe our brow. You know, we take a deep breath. We let our heart rate come down a little bit. We kind of hype ourselves up. You can do this. You got this. Let's go. So in other words, what we do is we take a step off so that we can rest. And then we get back on so that we can finish what we were doing. You ever heard the phrase, life's a marathon, not a sprint? Well, many of us treat it like a sprint. I was treating it like a sprint. And what the counselor began to help me realize is that, number one, I don't have it nearly as bad as many of you do. But what he began to teach me was that I was going through what they call um, mild circumstantial depression and anxiety. It's something that can be reversed very quickly, but it was all brought on for me by exhaustion. I was exhausted. My body was exhausted. My brain was exhausted. My spirit was exhausted. My heart was exhausted. My I was just done. I was just so tired. I couldn't make a decision. There was moments that I began to learn that I couldn't make a decision on where to eat simply because my brain was just so tired I couldn't make a decision. Now, ladies, don't use that as an excuse, okay? All right, just make the decision. Just tell us to go somewhere. We just want to please you. Amen. And what I, what I began to learn was there's a lot of us they're running a rat race in life. And we take no breaks. And then we want to know why in the world everything seems so hard. Pastor Travis, uh, I'm going to give him credit today through these three services, but he never gets it again uh, for this phrase. It is now mine. Pastor Travis says it, said it like this when him and I were talking about this very thing. Because for what, probably two or three months, I've been on this kick about rest and rest and rest and rest. And, um, and what we were talking about, he said, you know, we got to learn as followers of Jesus to learn to rest for something, not from something. So we got to learn to rest because when you're resting, and I began to think on that. He just said it like that. He explained it a little bit and just kind of left it. And I'm like, I'm the kind of guy that I'm going to take something good. I'm going to tear it apart. I'm going to eat the meat, spit out the bones. That's how I work, right? I'm just going to learn more. And so I, I just started dissecting that. And here's what I, I thought, because if we're resting from something, then I'm recovering from something that happened. But I'm resting for something, then I'm living in a moment of expectation to where God can do more in my life because now I'm ready for what's coming at me. Some of us, we get hit by life so hard, and it hits us so hard, not because we're weak, but because we haven't rested for what's coming. Because I believe anxiety, depression, overwhelm, stress, all these things, this mental health stuff is not just physical, it's not just mental, it's not just emotional, but it is also very, very spiritual. And, and, and if it wasn't spiritual, then why does the Bible talk so much about thoughts? Why does the Bible talk so much about mind? Why does the Bible talk so much about stewardship and heart, soul, and mind? Why does the Bible talk about those things if it's not spiritual? And I believe it is very much a spiritual attack. And, and I, I want to tell you right off the bat, over the next several weeks, don't miss these, these talks because we're going to talk about this, but I'm, I'm not giving anybody an excuse today to go home and be lazy. In fact, the Bible calls laziness a sin. It's a sin. Laziness is a sin. Laziness is I just want to sit in my chair and do nothing and everybody else does everything for me. I call laziness entitlement. I'm entitled. Rest is when we work our tails off to do everything God's called us to do. 
But we also observe a moment where we take back and we stop doing so much, stop striving for acceptance and achievement and all these things, and we just trust God in that, in that moment. Let me give you some stats real quick about this stuff. Nearly one in five adults say that their mental health is worse now than it was at the same time last year. Now, today, one in five say it's worse now than it ever was last year. Look around you. There's way more than five people in here. Can I, can I just say it this way? You are not alone. You're not alone. You're not dealing with it alone. You're not the only person going through it. Look around. There's more than five people in here, right? Here's another one. Depression is the leading cause of disability in the world. In fact, in the U.S., neuropsychiatric disorders are the leading cause of disability in the U.S., with major depressive disorder being the single most common. But no one knows 100% of the causes of anxiety or depression in people because every person is completely different. So what causes anxiety or depression in me may not cause it in you, which means I don't understand what you're going through completely, even though we may be going through the same things. Does that make sense? From January to September of 2020, there was a 93% increase in people taking the screen to ask if they are dealing, to find out if they are dealing with anxiety. Just in January to September of last year. Then in the same time frame, January to September of last year, there was a 62% increase in people taking the depression screen. 70% of those diagnosed with depression or anxiety report that one of the top three things contributing to their mental health concerns is loneliness and isolation. Wow. Which is why at Radiate Church, we don't do life alone. We have life groups, we have teams. We do it together, and we do it with God. Watch this. And here's the thing. When you're going through this, you think you're the only person impacted by it. Families, scientifically, are actually deeply impacted by anxiety and depression from someone else in the family. That kids and spouses are susceptible to picking up the symptoms of negativity, criticism, and lack of emotional closeness. We're never the only ones that are impacted by this. It's also other people. And see, here's the thing. This is not, here's where I struggle. This is not one of those messages where people are going to stand up and go, whoa, pastor, that's a good word. Because this is one of those things that makes us go, wait, maybe I need, maybe this is the step I need to start moving forward, to be happy, to be healthy, and to be whole, to love God with my heart, my soul, and my mind, and not just one or the other. How many of you would say in the room that you're smarter and know better than God? Precisely, nobody. But yet, God, watch what it says in Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. Can we throw that up? Watch what, watch what this says. Genesis 2, 2 through 3 says, By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested. He what? He rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Verse 3, Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. If I refuse to observe a Sabbath, is it Saturday? Is it Sunday? Is it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? I don't know. When's your Sabbath? When do you rest? For some of us, when I need it. It's not even biblical. Let's be real. Whenever I feel like I'm too tired, it's not biblical. Once a week, we need time to where we sit back and let God be God. God took the seventh day and he rested. He took time off. 
He enjoyed what he had created. He enjoyed what he had done. He sat back and he enjoyed being God. When's the last time you sat back and enjoyed being a child of God? Take time. I don't know more than God. I'm not smarter than God. I'm not more powerful than God. I'm not more creative than God. And so that means that I probably need to do the things that God tells me to do, right? But when I refuse, I'm simply looking at God and saying, I'm not good enough. Because here's the reality. And this is something we all need to hear. Something we all need to understand. Busyness does not equal effectiveness. Busyness does not equal effectiveness. You, you say it, I say it, we all say this, right? We, we get asked this question. Hey, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm good. I've just been so busy. I'm not telling you not to say that because sometimes we are busy. I'm busy. I'm busy a lot. I got a lot going on in my life, right? I got two kids and a Tasmanian dog. I mean, a third kid. I got three kids. Like, I, I, all these answers, right, is I'm busy. I had to apologize to somebody today because it took me a month to, to, to reply to their text message. A month. That's no lie. And I looked at him and I said, it wasn't because I was busy. I looked at it, I was busy in the moment, and then I forgot. And that's on me. And he laughed, he was fine, it was no big deal. But watch this, busyness does not equal effectiveness. Just because we're busy doesn't mean we're doing anything of effectiveness. We can be really busy and never make an impact. But we can make a great impact or be really effective and still have time for everybody in our life. We have to find not our balance, because I think balance is a myth. We have to find our rhythm. Where is God working in our lives right now? What is God calling us to do in this season and in this time? Because busyness doesn't always equal effectiveness. I got, here's, the, here's what I do know. I teach this in leadership. I teach this all over the place. Here's what I do know. Unhealthy leaders, whether it's mom, dad, CEO, leader, pastor, doesn't matter. Unhealthy leaders always produce unhealthy results. Always, 100% of the time. If you're an unhealthy leader, it may work for a short season, but it will not work for the long term. And what I fear is there's a lot of people in this church, there's a lot of followers of Jesus, there's a lot of pastors that are running a race at a pace that they cannot sustain. And when something happens in their life and it punches them in the face, they can't hold it because they're not taking time to enjoy all that God is. So I want to give you three thoughts, three impacts found in Hebrews chapter 4 of strategic rest strategic rest and i'm going to read verses 1 through 11 of hebrews 4 so just keep up with me and then we're going to go through three points i'm going to hit them quick the first one is our, our hebrews 4 1 through 11 says this therefore let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest any one of you may seem to have come short of it for indeed we have had good news preached to us just as they also but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of what? disobedience he again fixes a certain day today saying through david after so long a time just as he has been said before today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts for if joshua had given them rest he would not have spoken of another day after that so there remains a sabbath rest for what the people of god for the one who has entered his rest has himself also restored his works 
or rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest, the rest of God, so that no one will fall. Here's three quick points. I just want to hit them quickly out of Hebrews chapter 4 right here. The first one is this. There's a promise attached to rest. There's just a promise attached. Or you can say it like this. I say rest because it's a less churchy word that everybody can understand. There's a promise attached to Sabbath. There's a promise attached to it. First one of Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, let us fear. Let us fear. Let us be fearful. If while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. Let us fear falling short of the promise God has for us to enter eternal rest with him or his seven. Let us not fall short of rest. Where is rest found? Rest is found in God. Sabbath is found in God. And what, what the problem is, is many of us get in, in this, and you're much like I am, because I wish I could look at you and say, after last June and after constant conversations, I'm, I'm good and good to go. I don't struggle anymore. And the reality is, that'd be a lie. Because I do. I still have moments. I still have times. I still meet with my counselor. I still have conversations with my wife. I, you know, still struggle. And the reality is, is it always comes back to I'm at a moment of exhaustion. I'm in a moment where I'm not living on the promise of God's rest. And I'm just going, 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 going. And then I get hit in the face with something that's tough. And I'm not rested for it. I'm not energetic for it. I don't have the energy for it. See, if I were to look at you today and say, hey, I promise you, if you do A, B, and C, I'll give you $10,000. You know what you go home and do? A, B, C, and D. <laughs> You'd go above and beyond. You'd do what you needed to do because I promised you $10,000 and you know I'm going to come through. But yet God goes, if you rest, if you obey my Sabbath, if you, if you take time and let me be God and enjoy being my child and you enjoy the works of me, then if you take that time, there's a promise on the other side. Nah, God, I'm good. I'm good, God. I, I know like right now I'm burning a little bit. Man, my quads are burning. My lungs are burning. I'm sweating. I'm so tired, but I got to keep going, God. I got to keep going, God. God's going, I promise you I'll take care of you. I promise you there's, a, there's an experience of faith on the other side to where you don't have to do everything. You are not God. And, and we're like, no, God, I'm good. I got this. God, back off. Get out. And then here's what happens. We get off, and we can't breathe, and we're tired, and we're crying for somebody to help us, and our legs hurt, and we can't stand up because if you do this long enough, your legs hurt so bad you can't hardly stand. You fall, you don't have the weak, you don't have the strength, and you're sitting there, and here's what we do. We go, God, how could you let this happen? God's going, I didn't. I, I commanded you to rest. You chose not to listen. Hey, God, since you let this happen, I'm going to quit serving. I'm going to quit attending. I'm going to quit praying. All the godly community you brought me around, forget it. And then we want to go, God, where are you? And God's going, I was right in the midst. Until you took me out of it. You ignored the promise. It's not on me. You didn't listen to what I had to say. Don't get mad at me because you're too tired of the fight when you're not even letting the people I put around you hold your arms up. Because what I believe and what I've learned is that when I get exhausted, it's not the moment to pull away. It's the moment to lean in. It's the moment to go, you know what? 
You know what, Pastor Travis, you don't know what's going on in my life, but I need to tell you because i got to lean in a little bit. I can't, I can't hold this by myself, man. Hey, hey, John, man, I, I need you right now. I, you don't know the pain, but I, I need to tell somebody. And the problem I made was for probably 18 years, I tried to carry the words that I'd never be successful. I tried to carry the pain of people leaving my life and trying to destroy me on the way out. I carried the, the reality that there were people telling lies trying to destroy our church several, several years ago. I, try, I, I carried all of that by myself because I didn't want to worry anybody else. And I just kept running. And I kept running. And over time, it was just too much. And now I didn't get it. I, I, I stopped and I caught it before it was too late. But some of you, you're just now it's starting to dawn, dawn on you. That's what I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with exhaustion. And it hurts. And it's painful. And you can't be ready for what God has for you if you're not rested for it. You don't have the energy for it. The second thought is actually found in verse 2. It's actually more of a thought than it is anything, but it says this, verse 2 says, For indeed we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard didn't, watch this, the word they heard, the word they heard, the word they heard, the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. What? Hmm. How many of you know you can hear and not listen? Let me give you a thought. Learn to listen and not hear. You know what the difference is. Here's the difference, right? I told you I got three kids. I know when my kids listen to me. You know how I know when my kids listen to me? Because I know they hear me when I tell them to stop jumping on the bed. I know they hear me when I tell them to put the new puppy down. I know they hear me when I tell them to stop throwing the baseball in the the living room. I know they hear me. I know they listened when they stopped doing it. Some of us are running a rat race to where we got to cor- climb the corporate ladder. We got to make a certain dollar figure. We got to get so much influence. We got to do so much this. We got to do so much that. And none of that is bad. None of that is bad. If God put it on your heart, none of that is bad. I want you to hear me. It's great goals and it's great things to go after. But some of us, God's going, hey, why don't you take a break? Hey, why, why, why don't you step off the elliptical for a minute and just catch your breath? Hey, why, hey, it's a tough time. Why don't you take about two days and just chill? Hey, why don't you? And we're going, no. I'm not going to listen. I hear you, but I'm not going to listen. And then we want to know, why can I come to church? Why can I read the Bible? Why can I listen to Radiate Worship and do all this stuff? Why can I go to church every week and nothing in my life changes? Well, it depends. Are you hearing or are you listening? When God tells you you need to increase your prayer life, do you hear him or do you listen to him? When God tells you you need to serve at church, do you hear him or are you listening to him? When God tells you you need to take a step of faith and start doing the 90-day tie challenge, do you hear him or are you listening to him? Like, I could go through moment after moment, join a team, whatever it is, I don't know. Maybe you should be nicer to your wife. Do you hear him or are you listening to him? Maybe you should be more present in your kid's life. Do you hear him or are you listening to him? It says they heard it, but it didn't profit them. Because they heard, but they didn't listen. And I just want to encourage you today, Listen. I want to ask you this question to ponder on throughout the week. And then I'm going to go to point three and close. It's this. What is God saying to you right now? What is God saying to you right now? Well, I don't know. I haven't taken time to listen. Here's your answer. You know what God's saying to you? Listen. If you have an answer to it, listen to it. What is God saying to you right now? 
What is God asking you to do to get better right now? And then there's point three, and it's found in verse 11. And this is the, this is the gut punch one right here. Verse 11 says, Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall. Thought three of strategic rest or Sabbath is this. There is a danger in not doing it. Because when we get fatigued, when we're running so hard that we never take a moment to stop and, and, and smell the roses, if you will, or whatever it is, when we never rest for what's coming, our mind starts to slip. We can't recognize danger anymore. Some of the dumbest things I did in college were because I didn't sleep enough. <laughs> Some of the, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying. When you get too tired, danger just didn't really there anymore. When you, when you get too tired, your defenses go down, and so everything hurts more. Everybody's talking about you when they're not talking about you. Everybody hates you when actually everybody's trying to embrace you. Everybody's out to get me. No, they're not. When I'm, when I'm too tired, I can't even make good decisions. When I'm too tired and my wife is not showing me the attention, that girl over there is a little bit cuter whenever she shows me that attention. Y'all are like, don't talk about that. Why? It's an everyday thing. Or that guy over there, his smile is a lot cuter whenever he, my husband's not showing me attention. I'm really tired. Or it's not even that. Maybe it's, I'm just going to be so emotionally closed off because I'm so tired. And see, what happens is, is we go in this trap and, 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 and we get in this moment to where we want to finish. We want to cross the finish line. There's nobody in the room today that doesn't want to finish. Doesn't want to get to the finish line at the end of, all, of it all. But as your pastor, I don't want you to finish wounded. I want you to finish well. I want you to finish with your family. I want you to finish with your church. I want you to finish with your life group. I want you to finish with your kids. I want you to finish with me. I want you to finish with our other staff. I want you to finish with our leaders. I want you to finish with your, the, the respect and the influence of your coworkers. I want you to finish with God. I don't want you to finish and get there and you've got nobody to help you hoist the trophy at the end of the day. I want you to finish well. Not wounded and... I want to leave you with this thought, and it's this. It's okay, it's okay to not be okay. But you got to hear this last part. It is not okay to stay that way. It is okay to not be okay. There's no shame in that. We all have something. But it is not okay to stay there. Some of us, if I can be real, and this is what I had to tell myself, it is time to straighten your back up and pick yourself up by your bootstraps and understand that life happens and life is hard and life is difficult and it's going to keep coming at you and it's going to keep hurting and things are going to keep happening but I serve a God that is stronger than that a God that is better than that a God that is there for that and I can stand up and I can be okay it's time to stand up somebody somebody you need somebody to look you in the face and say get up and get better it's okay that you're not okay but I'm not letting you stay there I'll tell you this quick story. I had the opportunity a few weeks ago to go to Wyoming for a pastor's retreat and meet some of the greatest pastors in America. Talk ministry and talk life and talk soul care and health care and self-care and all this stuff, right? And it was a beautiful 5,000 acre ranch 
the driveway was seven miles long. I was driving, we were driving down the driveway, and my driver, I felt real important, I had a driver in a black Suburban, come on somebody. (laughs) I looked at my driver, I said, Sam, who maintains all this property, man? He said, he started laughing, he said, maintains it, it's 5,000 acres, don't nobody maintain this thing. He said, it's too much, it's too much property, nobody can maintain this. He said, we maintain what we use and what we stay on, and the rest of it is just there. (laughs) It's beautiful, I mean Beautiful great i mean grass is just right and i mean the mountains and just livestock and like it's crazy you're driving down the driveway and there's um there's deer just everywhere pronghorn deer and it's crazy stuff well the next day i was fishing in a trout pond it was me and pastor travis actually around the corner he was around the corner actually catching fish i was not and I was looking at the views. I was looking at the views. I was looking at the mountains. I was looking at the hills. And I, I pulled the fly rod and the fly up and I hooked it on the bottom hook and loop and I stood there like this. And I was just looking. I was thinking back about how, man, 5,000 acres is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful, y'all. And um, I was a better person for being there because of the people we connected with. And I remember thinking, man, I was like, Nobody maintains this. Nobody maintains this. And I heard God say, go read Luke 22. Or Luke 12, I'm sorry. Go read Luke 12. I don't know what Luke 12 says. God goes, well, you're a preacher. You should know what Luke 12 says. So, well, God, I don't know what Luke 12 says. Then go read Luke 12. So I went and read Luke 12. Luke 12 is Jesus talking. And he says, I've taken care of the lilies of the field. And I've dressed the fields... And I fed the sparrows in the sky. And he says this. And he says, how much more will I take care of you, my child? And he says, and he makes this statement. He says, and what will will worrying add one hour to your day, to your life? In fact, scientifically, worrying takes hours off. (laughs) And I remember I shared that around the table that night. 20 other pastors just crying because I was just reminded of God saying I got you I got you and I remember God saying this to me not only do I have you I've got all my kids I got every one of my kids if they'd step back and let me take care of what I need to take care of stop trying to be God because we're not and I think some of us are on this rat race of life that we just need to step off a little bit and recognize that God has got it under control and I just need you to hear this today you're okay you're gonna be okay God's got you God's embracing you God's loving you right where you are but entirely too much to leave you there the anxiety the depression the stress The worry, the frustration, the anger, the confusion, it doesn't have to overtake you because if he can take care of the lilies of the field and the sparrows of the sky, he's got you and you've got nothing to worry about. So wherever you are today, I just want to encourage you. Your step forward is learn how to rest. Your step forward is walk into his promise. Your step forward is learn to just let him be the God that he is and you be the child that you are. Our number one thing is to be his kids. So if you would, just bow your heads with me.
And I just want to pray over you that today is a step forward in the right direction of progress. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Just rest and trust God. Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for loving us like you do. And God, I pray that we would be able to step off the rat race of life and rest enough to know that you are God. Be still, that we would be still and know that you're God. That we would rest, that we would take our steps forward and just trust you with everything that we have. God, I thank you that you take care of the lilies of the field and the sparrows of the sky. But God, thank you for taking care of us. We don't even have to worry about it because you are our Father and you have us. And God, right where everybody is today, at home, online, whatever, would you just embrace us and let us know, I got you. I got you. And let your spirit, let your spirit speak promise into our souls and hope into our spirits. God, we honor you and love you. In your name we pray.